Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you and thank you for joining us. This message is from our 2021 summer camp. We hope it leaves you encouraged for this upcoming season. Thank you for joining us. In ninth grade, just, you know, super skinny with the really short shorts, you know, just white thighs. Why am I describing this, Kirsten? I don't know. Nobody cares. Nobody needs to visualize that. But I'm out there, and and I remember the gun went off, and I am taking off. I'm like, this is my moment. This is my moment. This is my moment. And I'm going so fast, and I remember I'm coming up to the halfway point, and I'm in first place, ladies and gentlemen. I'm thinking, okay, I'm not just a musician. I'm going to be an athlete. I'm going to be an athlete. This is, I'm, I'm an athlete now. This is it. This is my sport. And I'm coming around, and I remember three-fourths of the way around the track, and I remember that feeling for any runners out there. My lungs are on fire. I'm just all out. I look down. I can't feel my legs. My legs are jello now. I'm looking at them. They're still moving, but I can't feel them anymore. But I'm just like, oh, and I'm like, I got this. I got this. I'm still coming into the home stretch, 100 meters left. And I'm, st- I'm in first place, ladies and gentlemen. My mom is there on the side videotaping. Okay, sorry. Y'all are, d- are too young to know what videotaping is with the camcorder that sits up on your shoulder like this, okay, with the VHS test. Sorry, you don't know any of this. And so she's videotaping me from the stands, screaming for her boy, yeah, and I'm out in first place, and all of a sudden something begins to happen that had never happened in my life before. I can't feel my legs. My lungs are on fire. I'm heaving. I can see in my peripheral some, some of the other runners are coming up alongside me. I'm like, no, I'm pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. And all of a sudden, it starts to get a little bit dark in the atmosphere. And now all of a sudden, I'm looking in front of me, and all I can see is, is like I'm running into a tunnel. It's, it's, it's start, everything's starting to black out, and, and I've never blacked out before, so I thought maybe Jesus is coming back. Is this the end? Is the world ending right now? And all I can think is, no, Jesus, let me finish the race. And Jesus, I'm still a virgin. Don't come back, you know? And so that's all I can think, and I'm going as fast as I can. And this tunnel gets smaller and smaller, and I can see the finish line in front of me, and I did the only logical thing before I blacked out. I leapt into the air like I was Superman. True story. True story. And I passed out on the track. This actually happened freshman year of high school, okay? First race of the season. Passed out. But I knew in my mind, I was like, I got first, I got first, it's worth it, I got first. I got some battle scars, because these are the old tracks, this is like asphalt track. This isn't the nice, cushy rubber tracks they have now, okay? And so I like, I like come to and, and come to consciousness, and I've, I've kind of got a, some scrapes on my head, and my, my knees are all scraped up, and my arms, and my coach comes running down. He's like, Elijah, you okay, you okay? I'm like, yes, I did it, coach. And he goes, well, you almost did it. You missed it by about five feet. That's the finish line right there, and that was the end of my my track career right there, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me. I'm getting on a plane heading back to LA. No, I'm kidding. But I realized that day, man, it is, it is hard to get in first place at anything. It is hard. This is just, and this is such a dumb story. This is me in like freshman year track, right? Who cares about first place? But I remember that day thinking, man, I just want, I just want first place this season. I went the whole season and continued to run, never got first place. And I was like, man, first place is hard. I bring this up because we read a story tonight. We jump into this encounter with Jesus in the Gospels, but you have to understand the situation. This man has been paralyzed. He's, he's laying by this pool for 38 years with an infirmity. And it says that when this particular pool is stirred by an angel, 
only the first one in, the first place person in the pool gets the miracle. And so here's this guy, can you imagine? They're waiting, and we don't know how often, but it wasn't happening very often. Every once in a while, this stirring of the water would take place, and it says there's a multitude. That means there's people everywhere, sick people everywhere that are just waiting for this moment to maybe get first place into the water. First place is hard. Can you imagine waiting 38 years for something? I don't know about you, but when I'm microwaving my pizza, I don't want to wait 38 seconds for something. Are you with me? Like when I'm trying to get Wi-Fi, I don't want to wait 3.8 seconds for my Wi-Fi to kick in. You know, it's like, it's like I can't imagine waiting 38 years. But this man knew what he had to do. He knew that there was a process, there was an order, there was a certain thing that had to happen in order for this miracle to take place. It has to, the water has to get stirred and you gotta get in first. And that was his mindset, that was everybody's mindset. He knew this process of how the miracle was gonna work until this particular day, somebody came and interrupted the process. Somebody came and interrupted the plan. And that person was Jesus. And can you imagine, Jesus shows up on the scene and starts a conversation with this man, but, I'm, but, but picture this for a moment. Jesus is like, sir, do you wanna, do you wanna be made well? But, but he's thinking, I gotta keep looking at the water. He probably can't even make eye contact with Jesus because he's gotta focus on the water. His focus is over here because this is how the miracle's gotta happen. And he almost missed the person because of the process. Have you ever been so caught up in kind of a, a process or a plan or the way something's going that maybe you're missing out on God trying to get your attention over here where actually, actually, if I can just get you to, to take your eyes off of this to show you that actually the person is where the focus needs to be. And could it be that God has you here at college camp this week in August of 2021 because Jesus wants to step into your life, into the water that you've been waiting by, and interrupt the process or the plan that you've been in right now? Could it be that maybe Jesus would come and interrupt whatever you've been waiting for? To show you it's not just about a process, it's actually about a person. It's about the person of Jesus. Have you ever missed the person because of a process. It's like last summer, my wife was at her parents' place and I was at my parents' place. It's about three and a half hours apart from each other in the state of Washington. And I decided one morning I was missing her. She was there for uh, like a week and I was, I was spending time with my family. And I so saw one morning I got up, I said, you know what? I'm going to go surprise my wife. I'm going to go surprise my wife. I mean, come on, we've been married 21 years, but we're still surprising each other, ladies and gentlemen. It's still surprise. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but here I go. Got up at 5.30 that morning, drove, didn't tell her I was coming, and uh, all I did was made one stop, one stop, and I made a stop to just pick up a little bouquet of flowers and some donuts. Gentlemen, write that down. That's all it takes. Little bouquet, little flowers, donuts, you're good, okay? And, and so I showed up at her, at her dad's house, and uh, she's just waking up. It's like 8.30 in the morning, and I'm just getting there from the drive. She has no idea I'm there. I think I had texted her. I'm like, hey, good morning. You know, she still thinks I'm three hours away, and I'm just, like, excited and giddy. And I'm like, oh, she doesn't even know I'm here. And so I, I, I came in, into the house, and I knew exactly what room she was in. And I went up 
to the room she was in and the door was cracked open just a little bit and she's still there laying in bed and all I could see were arms and her phone above the pillows because because this is my world is that is that my wife likes to build a a fortress of pillows around her body does this anybody love pillows you just got a yeah she's she's just like when we got married I had no idea I just grew up my whole life it's like one pillow Shane that's all give me one pillow for my head but but I realized that certain people and no judgment but it's like you got to do double pillows for the head and the your knees can't touch you you need a pillow for the legs. You need your body pillow. You need the neck pillow. You need the, and so there's this like, occasionally I, I'm coming to bed and there's already this fortress that's been built of pillows. And I'm like, whoa, can, can a guy like scale the walls of the fortress every once in a while? You know, like, Hey, um, and so she's got the pillow fortress. I see her arm. She's texting and she's texting me. I come into the room and I've got the flowers and the donuts. and I'm just smiling. And I literally come over and, and to where I can see her eyes, but she's just looking at her phone. And f- for like 10 seconds, I'm standing there. And she doesn't notice me. And I'm finally like, hey. And she's like, oh, you know, she's in, had no idea. there. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got you flowers and donuts. You know, here you go. But it was this moment of she's just thinking her only context of communication with me is, is over the phone. So she's just focused on the phone, focused on the phone. It's right here. This is my only way to communicate with my husband. And she didn't know that her husband was standing right there in her presence in the very room that she's in. Listen, I think sometimes what happens in the church is we get a little caught up in processes. And there's parts of the process that are good things. We think, well, what's it mean to be a Christian? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you, you, you pray this prayer, and then you get water baptized, and then, you, and then you, all of a sudden you, you get a Bible reading plan, and you learn how to read your Bible, and, and then you got to go to the Sunday school classes, and then you start going to the young adults and the college ministry nights, and, and then you get in a small group, but you got to be careful what small group you get in. If it's a co-ed small group and you struggle with temptation, you know, getting get the men's only small group, you know, whatever. And then you got to, then you got to get the worship album. You need the Bethel worship album and the Hillsong worship album and the Maverick City worship album and the Elevation album. And, and you got to know the worship songs that we're singing. And then, and then you got to now, now you got to go further in your, you turn your Bible into a coloring book and you get highlighters. And so you just start <laughs> highlighting stuff. Even if you don't know what it means, you got to highlight that thing. So when you open it up in church, it's like, whoa, you know the Bible, right? And so, and so, you know, there's this, we got, we, got, we got these different processes, and a lot of times when we're asked, what does it mean to be a Christian, our answer immediately goes to spiritual disciplines and processes, and, and hear me, prayer is great, reading your Bible is great, but when did Christianity become more about a process and not a person? And sometimes I think it's easy to lose sight of the reality that this thing is not about requirements and rules and steps, but it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about the person of Jesus. It's about if you're trying to get through your battling plan, that's great, but let's stop for a second and just shut our eyes. And if you just focus on one verse today, but you encounter Jesus in that verse, now you're reading your Bible right. Because this Bible, we don't read it to try to please him. We read it to see him and to experience him. Him and to be with him. It's about the person of Jesus. Here's this man sitting by a pool and all he knows is the process, the process. I got to wait for the string of water. This is how the miracle happens. You get A, B, and C, and, and, and there's this person shows up. Jesus shows up. Instead of thinking about, okay, being a Christian, what do I, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? How about obsessing over what's already been done by the person of Jesus? This week, I hope you're not making a list of, okay, okay, I'm at college camp, and okay, I hope Pastor Tracy gives me the list of, what do I got to do? What do I got to, okay, what's next? I, 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 I got I to gotta do this, I got to do this, I got to do that. No, 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 how about just simply Jesus? 
just that there's somebody that wants to, might want to interrupt your process. Are you waiting right now for something? Maybe you're waiting for a change in your life. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle in your life. Maybe you're in a waiting season right now. Would you allow Jesus to interrupt the process? He also, when he encountered this man, we quickly realized this man is focused on his breakthrough, his change, his miracle to happen externally. There's, there's water that has to get stirred out here. Something's got to change out here for me to be changed. When Jesus shows up and he shows us that the change is not about the external, it's actually about the, what's internal. What's interesting about John chapter 5 is in the chapter before this, John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a woman at a well, just right before this. And actually this woman, he asked this woman for water. And long story short, summing up the chapter, chapter 4 right here, Jesus says, if, if you knew who was asking you, I can give you living water and you'll never thirst again. Jesus likens himself to living eternal water in the chapter before. And then in the next chapter, we see a miracle at some water. It's like Jesus is declaring, no, I'm, I'm the living water. You don't got to wait for things to get stirred up out here. It's not about what's external. Let the living water come on the inside of you and change you from the inside out. I'll, I'll be honest, and I don't have time to get into my whole testimony, but my parents got divorced when I was really young, and I spent most of my childhood all the way through my teenage years, all the way till I was 20 years old. There's probably some 20-year-olds in the room. But all the way up till I was 20 years old, spent my life trying to build a relationship with my father, my, my, my dad who didn't want to have anything to do with me or my sister and left my mom to raise me and my sister. And, and, and I had all this bitterness in my heart after a while. By the time I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I felt that rejection, that abandonment from my dad at such a level that I was trying to fill that with anything and everything. I went from relationship to relationship. I was one of those serial daters. You know, you know the serial dater? Don't look around the room if there's something. You're like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't, we're not here to judge nobody. But I was, the, I was just trying to fill that void in my heart because my dad wasn't there and had rejected me growing up. And I had all this bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. And I finally had this Jesus encounter when I was 20 years of age. And it so rocked my world. But one of the first things that Jesus talked to me about was my relationship with my dad. And I remember having this convo with God. I was like, well, well, well God, I'll forgive my dad when he comes and apologizes for all the hurt and the pain, the verbal abuse, all, all, all these years of hardship that he's caused me and my sister. As soon as he apologizes and changes, I was 20 years old, had never heard my dad say, I love you, proud of you, none of that, right? I said, well, as soon as my dad says he loves me, as soon as my dad says, I'm sorry, then I'll forgive him. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, do you really think that your freedom is conditional based on somebody else? Do you really think that the freedom, that the miracle that needs to happen in your heart is going to be based on waiting for this man? And I realized in that moment I could be waiting my whole life. What if this man never changes? Will I be stuck in this prison of fear, abandonment, rejection, failure as a son? And I realized that that was my, that was my water. I'd been sitting 
by this water from age five to age 20, 15 years. This man was 38 years, but I was waiting. See, we all got our pools. We all got pools. Are you hearing me? I'm just owning up to mine. I knew what my pool was that day because I was sitting in this particular area of my life waiting by this pool called my dad and just waiting for him to be stirred to come say, "I'm, I'm sorry, son. Forgive me, son. I love you, son. And then I could, all of a sudden, my miracle could happen of forgiveness. But Jesus loves to interrupt the process. He made me realize that change is not about what's external. Maybe you came here tonight and you're like, well, if only I was at this school, if only I'd grown up in this family, well, if only, oh man, if only I was this far into Bible college, if only we've all got our excuses and our things of what we think externally could change. You know what? Sometimes he's the God that shows up and silences the storm externally, but sometimes the storm keeps going in life, but he creates a calm on the inside, which is just as, or maybe even more important, if there's still a storm happening, don't just wait for the God who, yes, he's over the storm. Yes, he can control the storm, but sometimes you're, you're in the midst of a storm and you're like, man, I can't change until this storm goes away. I'm going through it right now financially at my job. It's just storm after storm after storm. And maybe again, we're looking for something out here to be stirred up when really Jesus wants to do something in here instead. Are you hearing me? Jesus did a miracle in my life at age 20 and allowed me to see his abundance of forgiveness and grace towards my life and the thousands, tens of thousands, millions of sins that he'd forgiven in my life. Who was I to hold, withhold forgiveness from my dad? And it was only through the strength and power of Jesus that I forgave my dad. This weight was lifted. This weight of 15 years of pain was lifted off my shoulders and I wept because I was free for the first time from resentment, from anger, from bitterness that wasn't locking him up. It was only locking me up. And that was the, that was the day I realized change Change is more about what Jesus wants to do on the inside than on the outside. And I love the end of this conversation that Jesus has because he asks him in verse six, do you want to be made well? Look at the man's response. It says, the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. It's, it's interesting to me because this man doesn't even answer Jesus' question. He says, do you want to be made well? So you think, simple response, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, let me think about that, 38 years. Yes. The answer is, do I need a lifeline? <laughs> no, yes, right? But instead, he immediately gives Jesus excuses of why this, why this can't happen. And I love Jesus' response because the man's like, I can't. Nobody, nobody can put me in the water. Jesus could have been like, oh, that's a bummer. Well, how about you over here? Do you want to be made well? He could have gone to the next person, right? There's a multitude sick there. He could have gone to the, how about this lady over here? Do you want to be made well? How about you? You want to be made well? But no, instead, it's like he ignores the excuses and didn't even hear it. And he just says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the miracle happens in the guy's life. You know what I realized about this? Because we all have excuses about why things aren't happening. And, oh, man, I'm in college now, and I thought I would be doing better, and I thought I'd be in a relationship, and I thought I would be getting better grades, or I thought I'd have this career by now, and i got to get this thing, and i got to get this thing. But if only, and we've all got excuses for different things. But excuses, they may limit you, but they don't limit Jesus. 
Your excuses aren't going to limit Jesus. He's such a good God that we could say our excuses to him, and he's not like, well, okay, I'll just go bless somebody else. No, no, no. He's like, hey, just instead of listening to yourself with the excuses, listen to my words. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. What he's telling this man in this moment is to get up and do something he's never done before. And I believe that tonight and in these next few days, you're going to be able to step into something you've never stepped into before. What does that mean? Maybe that means that all you've known is a life full of anxiety for the last year and a half through the midst of this pandemic. Welcome to the club. Well, maybe tonight could be the night that you begin to rise up out of anxiety and have a peace and a confidence unlike you've had in a long time. Maybe all you've known is a life of addiction from the time you were a young teenager and you still struggle with some of these secret things in your life. Well, all of a sudden this weekend, you're going to hear the voice of your Savior say, rise, step up out of addiction in Jesus' name, and you're going to walk into something you've never walked in before. Maybe you've been walking in fear and intimidation. God's going to give you a faith and a confidence and a boldness to rise up into. Maybe you've been walking in in, um, impure thoughts and lustful thoughts. God's going to cause you to rise up into a purity and a clear conscience, guilt-free, shame-free. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe all you've known is the weight of shame, shame, shame. Your faith has been connected to shame. No, shame does not declare your name. Only Jesus declares who you are. Shame will not dictate your identity, but he will say, rise, take up your bed and walk in Jesus' name. Maybe you're like me and you've been carrying the weight of unforgiveness and resentment and anger He's going to cause you to rise up in such forgiveness and grace and love and something's going to spill out of your heart like never before and you're going to walk in a way that you've never walked before. When Jesus interrupts the process, when Jesus brings an internal change, when Jesus changes you on the inside and you go back home and maybe things are still the same at your job, maybe things are still the same at your dorm, things are still the same with your family and the situation going on, but something's changed on the inside because you're not just waiting by a pool for it to be stirred up. You encountered a person and that person stirred you up on the inside. Jesus... I love this because he, he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. He's telling somebody to rise tonight. And not only that, and maybe you've heard this before because Jesus says this in a couple different places, but I don't, I've never understood why he'd tell a, a paralyzed man or a lame man that's been confined to a bed for 38 years, I want you to not only rise, but I want you to take up that bed. Like the original language is actually, I want you to pick up that bed. If I was Jesus... I'm glad I'm not. I would have been like, rise, let's burn that bed and let's walk. Let's have a bed burning sash. Bring the bed to the altar. Light it on. You don't need that bed anymore. But he tells this man, he says, I want you to rise and I want you to take up that bed with you. Why? This is what I think. This is my take on it. Is this man leaves this situation walking for the first time in over 38 years. And if he walks back to town, And he doesn't have a bed. He just blends in with every other walking man. And nobody sees something different. He goes unnoticed because he's just walking around like everybody else. But you and I would notice a guy dragging a bed alongside. Be like, wait a second. That stands out. Why is that guy dragging his? Was that the guy at the pool that's been there for 38 years? And all of a sudden, he's dragging his bed because his bed is his story. His bed is his story. And I used to think a long time ago when I first 
got saved, I thought, man, well, the, well God set me free from the past, and I'm just going to ignore the past, and, and, and I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not even going to give I, the enemy any credit for that. And, but no, no, no. What I realize is that the past, the thing that once brought guilt to you, can actually now bring glory to God. That, yes, that's not who you are anymore, but it's still part of your story. If some of you are like, man, my past keeps haunting me. Well, don't, don't let it haunt you, but let it help you in the sense of let it be a reminder that, oh, I remember that's who I used to be, but I'm not that anymore. See, we all have a bed. We've all got a bed that we get to take up and, and walk. It represents our weakness. It represents our humility. It represents that we're not, none of us are super Christians now and perfect people anymore. No, actually, you know what the world needs to hear? You know what need to people, people need to hear at your college or your university is not a picture of a church person that has their life all together, but a church person that's got a, that's got a bed. You know what? I was messed up. I was confined to this thing. I was spiritually lame. I was emotionally lame. I, was, I wasn't going anywhere. I was stuck in my life. I was stuck on this bed, but I'm going to drag it along with me because it's part of who I am. It's part of who God has, has now the miracle that he's done in my life. What, what once gave me guilt now gives glory to what Jesus has done in my life. I believe in these next couple days, even when you go home, I don't even know what day you're going home, Wednesday or whenever it is, you're going to go home with your own bed, with your own story. Oh, wow. This is, this is what Jesus did in my life. This is what Jesus did in my life. I want everybody just with your heads bowed, and your eyes closed. I want to pray tonight, and the worship team can begin to make their way back up here. And I want to pray for some individuals tonight in this room. And maybe you've been waiting by your proverbial pool, whatever that represents. Maybe you've been waiting and hoping for something to change and feel like there's no change. Maybe you feel confined to a mat just like this man had for 38 years. I'm not moving anywhere, God. I'm not, I just feel like I'm not going anywhere. Well, tonight in these next few moments, I believe the Spirit of God wants to speak in this place to some people and say, to say tonight is your night to rise. Tonight I tell you, rise. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I remember just with your eyes closed for a second, I remember years ago when I was a kid and my family went on vacation. We were at a beach and I was out in the waves trying to boogie board and trying to just have fun in the waves and pretty soon I got caught kind of in this current. All of a sudden I, I remember a wave taking me down and I, I came up to get a breath and another wave hit me and I came up to try to breathe again another wave hit me and all of a sudden, I got this panicked feeling that I was, that I was maybe going to drown. I, I felt helpless and out of control. And my parents could see what was happening. And I remember the lifeguard on the beach came running over in my direction. And I was just trying to swim and get my head above water. 
And it got to this point where I was so exhausted, so exhausted, striving and straining with all my might to just get my head above water. And the lifeguard came over and he, and he stopped. He didn't quite get to where I was. And he said, hey, I was like, hey, I need help. He goes, he goes, stand up. I was there in the waves and I was like, what? He goes, just, just get your feet under you and stand up. All of a sudden, <laughs> I got positioned upright and I stood up and realized I was only in about waist deep water. And I had no idea because my focus was so much on these waves that were hitting me. I was exhausting myself and I didn't need to. And I just feel like there's some people here tonight that you, you've been exhausting yourself. You've been straining and striving. And I just feel like Jesus tonight is saying, you don't need to strive anymore. You don't got to try to be somebody else. You don't got to strain and strive to try to please me. I love you. I've accepted you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You don't have to try to strive spiritually, to try to prove something. Come unto me. If you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Maybe you've been striving in your own efforts and performance, trying to please God. Jesus went to the cross and said, it is finished. He was speaking of sin. He was speaking of the fulfillment of the law that we could never attain. And speaking of humanity, trying to strive and do our best and our best never being good enough. Maybe you've been striving like this man at the well, trying to get first place and always feeling like you're second, always feeling like you're third. And Jesus is saying tonight, no, 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 you're missing the point. <laughs> Jesus Jesus already ran the race. He already endured the cross. He already got first place so that we could just focus on him and see him and put our faith and trust in him. And tonight, if you're here, and I wasn't going to do this, but with every eye closed just for a moment, I just feel like I need to do this, this first call before I go to where I was going to pray. If you're here tonight and maybe you feel far from God, maybe, maybe you're new to church in the last couple months and you came here with a friend and Maybe you've had this idea of who Jesus is, but maybe you've never allowed Jesus to come inside of your life and be Lord of your life, to have a relationship with him. I want to give an opportunity right now, even if it's just for one or two people or a handful of people tonight, if you are here and you just, you're like, man, I need to get right with God. I need, I'm ready to get right with God. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus tonight. Jesus is the way and he's the truth and he's the life. All of us have sinned. All of us have messed up and fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible declares, and probably the most famous verse in the Bible, that God so loved the world. God so loved you that he gave his only son, that whoever simply believes in him would not perish but have an everlasting life. And tonight, if you just want to say yes to Jesus, or maybe you felt like you've been far from him for a long time, and you're just like, I'm just, I'm ready to get right with Jesus tonight. On the count of three, will you just shoot your hand up in the air and put, you can put it right back down. And I just want to pray, pray with you in this moment right now. One, two, three. If that's you, will you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Three or four hands going up. Amazing. Amazing. Anybody else? Just put it up for a second. Put it right back down. I want to give an opportunity. Jesus, I thank you so much that in this moment, Lord, there are amazing young men and young women in this place 
who are making the greatest decision of their life to say yes to you. God, I thank you that anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation, that old things pass away and behold, all things become new. And God, I thank you for that newness right now. I thank you for the free gift of forgiveness and your grace that we could never earn and we could never deserve. God, I thank you that right now you are pouring your love into these individuals, not because we ever could earn it, not because we're trying to be good people, but God, I thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us, that you got on that cross in our place, for our place, took all of our sin, the past, present, and future, everything, God, upon your shoulders so that we could have eternal life and relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you right now. Thank you right now. We thank you right now for that free gift. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're here, the second call is for this. If you're here tonight and you, maybe even while I was talking, God started talking to you. There's an area of your life where you've been frustrated, you've been disappointed, you've been striving, you've been straining to get that, get that pool stirred up, whatever it is, trying to, trying to make the miracle happen, trusting more in the process and, or what you think the process has got to look like. And at times even we, we at times even put God in a box of how we think he's got to move and how we think he's got to do things. But tonight you're willing to just say, Jesus, step into this pool, step into my life and take over tonight. Are you here tonight and there's a change you've been believing for, a, a healing you've been believing for, a miracle you've been believing for? Will you raise your hand all over this room, all over this room? Wow, half, three-fourths, the majority of the room right now. Come on, we came to camp believing, expecting, hoping for a change, hoping for a change. Would you do this just because most of the room's raising their hand? Would you just stand to your feet for a moment as we begin to pray? God, I just thank you right now in this place. And if you raised your hand, would you maybe just put your hand on your heart right now? Most of us in the room raised our hand. We're all coming here believing for something. We're all coming here needing, needing something. Jesus, we thank you that you are the God over the process, superior to the process. Lord, this ain't about a process, it's about a person. And God, I pray we would become so obsessed with the person of Jesus tonight. God, that even right now in these moments, and as we begin to sing in a few moments, we would see your face. We would know your presence. We would not know a, a, we would not know a process. We would not be obsessed about a plan, but we'd be obsessed about your presence and about who you are, a loving, gracious Jesus. God, we see your countenance, Lord, that is one of, of acceptance and love and grace. Jesus, I thank you right now that the things that we're believing for, the things that we're hoping for, God, I thank you, you're already beginning to do a work on the inside of us. You're already beginning to stir up that water on the inside of us, that living water, Jesus. Oh, a fountain of life stirred up on the inside of us, Lord. God, we believe you, Lord, that, that tonight, you are breaking off the bondage of addiction in people's lives. God, you are breaking off the, the bonds of depression in people's lives. God, I thank you those who have been depressed are going to go out with joy. God, those who have been anxious are going to go out with peace. God, those who have been addicted to things are going to go out feeling that weight off their shoulders. God, we thank you those with resentment are going out with forgiveness. We thank you, God, that those with anger are going out with love. Jesus, tonight, 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 begin that work. Begin that work. Do that work, Lord, as you're causing us to rise, 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 rise. 
Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.